We are Quest for Power, and for some reason, we took it upon ourselves to rank all the European monarchs from the crumbling remains of Rome to the trenches of World War I. We are your devastators of mediocre lords. I'm Scott. And I'm Michael. And I hope you have an appetite for brutal bloodbaths, shocking betrayals, and horrible decisions, because there is plenty of it and a whole lot more. Knowledge is power, so join us in our quest for power. Welcome to So You Think You Can Rule Persia, the podcast where we rate and review all the kings of Persia from Diochis to Yazdegerd III. I'm Serial, and my pronouns are they, them. And I'm Umberto, and my pronouns are he, him. So hello, everybody, and welcome back. At last. Yes. It's been a while, but we're finally back. It's We've had a small time. hiatus because we needed our rest and holidays. But now we're back to tell you about what happens. So I hope none of you opened a history book in the meantime, because that will spoil the outcome. Secrets. It's all so, secrets. We're good. all in the dark. Yes. And yeah, so today's episode is going to be episode 46, which is just one before the middle, because I found two kings oh. in the middle. They were behind my sofa. I need uh, to excuse <laughs> I need me? To pick them out. They were... Um. Yeah, so we have two extra kings, Serial, now. That's a thing. Where would you be? What? <laughs> How did this happen? <laughs> they showed up. There was a succession crisis where I thought two people were legitimate enough for their own episodes. Oh, so fine. Interesting. That's, okay. Well, I guess yes. you will let me know when we come across them. So yes, in next year probably. We'll yeah. Well, in a while. I can be patient. But for now, we're here at episode forty-six, which is Musa, which we briefly introduced. Right. Last oh time. my god! I forgot which episode <laughs> we were doing. I am so excited yes. for this one. Let's go. Yes. We can go through a bit of a recap, so everybody's back up to speed. We've all been away for a while. Let's see where we're meant to go. And then we can get started on the great adventures of Musa and see what she does. How do things go? Be amazing. What are your expectations, Serial? Do you think Musa's going to be amazing, terrible, somewhere in the middle? I'm hoping she will be amazing. I don't know if she will, but I am just mostly very, very excited. Not only that, of course, like, she's a woman, but, like more excited about the fact that like not only is she a woman which is not like how succession works here is not like many women have been given the opportunity at all to reign but no. like she was just a random like yeah you'll be my wife now and like she didn't get much say over that and it was like a bit of a messy situation with the previous king and then she just essentially took it all in her hands and was like yes i will make the most of the situation and i know exactly what i have to do Goodbye, husband. I am queen now. Yes, like, it was that was so, amazing. Ah, so that cool. was very good. So let's just quickly recap the previous episode, Ferrati's the Fourth. So Ferrati's the Fourth became king because, well, his father was heartbroken and said, "Yeah, sure, you'll do." Right. He didn't seem very convinced himself. No, like, not really. So yeah. Ferrati's took over the throne, killed all his brothers. Right. Incredible. <laughs> Good start. Family murder, yeah. 
then he resisted the invasion of Antony, who lost half of his army in Parthia again, so things weren't great. Phraates then saw the fall of the Roman Republic and its transformation into the first Roman Empire. Which, you know, nobody yeah. expected. It happens. <laughs> then we had a bit of a fight with Tiridates, a pretender to the throne. And this ended up in us making a bit of a peace deal with Augustus, giving back the eagles that Crassus had lost. But in exchange, we had recognition of Parthia's status as an equal somewhat to the Roman Empire. At the same time, Phraates had to kill all of his harem because Tiridates was going to get to them. So in exchange, Augustus gifted him with a slave girl called Musa to be a new concubine. Right. And, yeah, as we saw, then Frati sent all of his heirs off to Rome to be raised in security by our good friend Augustus. And then one day, Frates was murdered, and Musa made herself Queen of Queens, or Queen of Kings. So, that is the story so far. I, I love this. She was given as a present, like essentially as she a... She was as an a, object, yes. Just like, here, have something pretty for you, my king. I... Yeah. Uh, it's basically, here, buy yourself something nice for Atis. That's it. That, that's all. Uh, and now she is queen. Let's <laughs> she go. She has killed him. She is queen. I hope that she will do some amazing things. Like, I don't know how long her reign will be, but I, I hope we'll have something to talk about other than... Oh, she made it to the throne, you know. Okay, well, first of all, let's start with Musa's origins. So, well, first notable thing is that she's born further west than anyone we've covered in the podcast, because, well, she's born somewhere in Italy. So, the westernmost ruler that we've covered. So, hooray, good job, Musa. So, was she Roman or from somewhere else in Italy? That is very complicated question. I tried to look into it because, well, it's unlikely that she was fully Roman, quote unquote, because, well, she was a slave and generally Romans were at least freed. So it is more likely that she was from maybe some of the allied Italian states, maybe from Gaul, maybe from the southern part of Italy where there were some Greek people. We don't really know the detail. Based on the sources, it looks like Musa was a reasonably common name for slaves in Italy. Mm. And, well, the thing is that we have no idea where she was born, really. Okay. Because she shows up in Italy at some point, Augustus. I mean, it makes sense, because, like, I, do we have records or anything? Like, I don't, unless someone mentioned once she became the concubine or once she became queen, if someone, like was keeping a record of like, oh, where did you come from? And she would like tell us about it. It's not like we're going to find her birth certificate, right? So. No, exactly. So again, she could potentially just be from Gaul and she was brought in during Caesar's wars. I mean, mm-hmm. she's a bit young for that, but you know, she could have just been a barbarian on the frontier and she was moved in. Her name was changed because, well, she was a slave then. Yeah. She doesn't have rights. Yeah. Or she could have just been born on an estate in Italy and just always been someone's property. Or she could have just fallen into terrible debt at some point and been sold off. It's mm-hmm. We don't know very much, unfortunately. But needless to say, it wasn't great because, well, she ended up as a slave, which is yeah. a terrible, terrible fate for anyone. 
We also don't really know exactly when she was born. We can presume she was born roughly around 40 BC. That's getting an idea based on her age in the story. That seems like a reasonable estimate. Which means that she was born straight after the murder of Caesar and the subsequent civil wars and the whole mess with Antony and Augustus and Mm -hmm. all that. And uh, yeah, so when she was young, she eventually came to the eye of Augustus. She was either recommended to Augustus through somebody, we have no idea how he came to know of her existence, but somehow Augustus saw her and thought, this is a gift fit for a king. (laughs) Great, don't you love being called... Isn't it amazing? (laughs) And don't get me wrong, like, it is some sort of compliment like i know there are spaces where but like you need to be consenting to you know the yeah. lack of the lack of agency agency that yeah that comes yeah, with no. objectification and i do not endorse that when there's not mutual consent yeah th- there was absolutely no consent in musa's anything yeah for at least her first few years so this poor Young girl, presumably in her 20-ish, is the hope. She may have been younger, but let's hope not. <laughs> Move on. Mm. This is just, yeah, let's pretend. Yeah. Presume she was in her 20s and get on with our lives. So she was sent over as a gift to Phraates IV, king of kings of Parthia, in exchange for the nice peace treaty that had been made with Rome, the exchange of Crassus's eagles, all that... Musa's being sent along. And I saw some people suggesting that she may have been an agent of Augustus to try and influence Parthian politics, but that doesn't seem realistic based on her actions. So if she was meant to be a double agent, it didn't really work. (laughs) Also because, you know, you don't really have much influence over her if you're a Mediterranean away and in the hands of a different king. That, That makes things difficult. But, yeah, so our dear, lovely Musa is being shipped off to Parthia, where she'll meet her new husband, who, incidentally, is three times her age, because you know, everything is great. stuff. Uh. Yeah. Also, interestingly enough, just as a note for our sources, Musa is not mentioned at all in any Roman source. Huh. She appears in Parthian sources or in a Jewish source, but no Roman source ever mentions her existence whatsoever. Uh, That's so interesting. I was going to say that's so weird, but like, I can't see why. I mean, I still don't know what Musa has done in her reign. So like, I don't know exactly Mm -hmm. why, but I can see, you know, people discriminating against a woman ruling. It it doesn't strike me as like particularly, you know, far-fetched but that's so strange yeah that, it, it like, was really bizarre because other it, sources do like show her so they it yeah. completely were like we will erase you from a history you never happened yeah they, they said yeah no we're not going to mention you at all wild that's it and Disgusting. this is also why it kind of works against the idea that she was yeah, a that Roman agent is, because yeah. at that point you would have said aha our agent managed to become queen Look at those dumb foreigners. Yeah, like you they, wouldn't just ignore her existence. Yeah, exactly. You wouldn't just say, oh, yeah, nothing happened. That's it. But again, the misogyny of the Romans is famous. So 
it might have just been the fact that she was a woman with power and, well, she wasn't sleeping with any Romans like Cleopatra, so it's not worth mentioning. Yeah, they couldn't, like, turn her into this sorceress vixen that, like, corrupted men, so it was like, eh. Yeah. It's just the sources pretend. we have, the Jewish source will try to do that, but we'll get to it mm, when. I'm not surprised, <laughs> but, like, at least she's there, I guess? Yeah, she, she exists, which is important. Oof. But yeah, so Musa is sent over to Parthia, where we can assume that she was probably reasonably well-educated or from a, a, a Greek family, because how does she communicate with everybody in Parthia now? It's not like she was a princess and had years to learn languages. Right, because she's not even from the... Oh my god, <laughs> yeah, she's not does from she there. even speak she's... like any of the... That's kind of the issue, because presumably at court in Parthia, you could have spoken Greek. Educated people spoke Greek. And in Rome, people also spoke Greek. There were some Greek slaves. And again, presumably she spoke Greek, but... Greek and Latin? Awful. Like, what was the thing in the Italian... In Rome, presumably she would have had to learn how to speak Latin. Right. And Greek was generally for educated people, so either she went in environments where an education was prized or her family was of Greek origin, so she just knew it from her parents. Birth, yeah. Yeah. So now she's in this court with a man three times her age speaking a language that she probably doesn't speak too great. Oh my god. And she has to figure out what to do. (sighs) Also, she's an object with no rights. Yeah. Have fun. Uh, that is so stressful as as yeah. an immigrant who, like, has had the privilege not only of, like, being considered a person with agency, you know, Which is good. but yeah. also having the privilege to have learned languages beforehand. It's still hard to be in a place where, like, you don't grasp the language fully or you still, like, struggle to understand things. So people who have to move countries for one forced reason or another and have not had a chance to learn the language. It is terrifying and nerve-wracking and God, just yeah, I'm I'm feeling yeah, for a lot. <laughs> her and for everyone who like is in this situation. But if anything, it forces you to learn very quickly, if possible. So Yes, it seems that Musa does learn very quickly. She learns quickly enough that she becomes a favorite of King Frati's. And one day, through nature, she finds herself pregnant. And soon after, she gives, well, soon after, presumably nine months after. You know, that's that's usually how it works. (laughs) She gives birth to a little boy who she also calls Fratis, but is generally called Fratakis, which means little Fratis. So basically, Fratito. (laughs) That's so cute. Fratakis? Fratakis, yes. Cute. And, uh, yeah, so overjoyed by this development is Fratis, and so enamored by his new concubine is he, that he makes her his wife. He frees her, makes her his wife. Not only that, he makes her his first wife, his most important queen, his main queen. So, Mm. not bad. Good start. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, incredible. Yeah. Did he already have... uh... Like, main He wife? had four other wives. Okay. From which he had older children. Right. But, so, 
was one of them the main wife before or was there like no particular yeah there was one that was the main wife before and she she got got, replaced just got dethroned Uh, okay well freak i'm sure she wasn't happy about that oh no definitely not she's not going to be happy after a while (laughs) even worse so like i imagine her children will not be considered like Heirs well, they've anymore. been pushed down a peg now yeah, that yeah, well, exactly. you're no longer the favored wife. What's going to happen? And well, according to our Jewish source, Josephus, Musa used her abundant charm of face and figure to gain significant power in court. <laughs> she a pretty lady. <laughs> she pretty. <laughs> yes. She was, it's not because she's clever and charming and intelligent and you nah, know, this is her nah. second language. How is she doing this? Just like, no, she pretty. She just winked at the audience and everyone was like, oh. Everybody just fainted in synchrony. But yeah, well, Musa's not done because when her son Fratakis is about 10 years old, she convinced her aging husband that, well, the succession is going to be problematic anyway because, well, Fratis had killed his father and brothers. Yeah, no, Fratis had killed like his entire... Yeah, exactly. close family and extended just to make sure that like yeah so Musa says listen you're getting old some people might think to overthrow you some people I won't name names but <laughs> I've heard a little birdie told me some people might want to overthrow you and also if you die with an heir your heir is going to kill all your other sons just like you did that seems to be the way things are going so if you want your sons to survive you, we need a way to keep them safe. That's really... Spe- like, I am... This is so smart because this is essentially being like, so you did this thing that you did. Have you considered that, like, the story might repeat <laughs> itself? Because, like, you thought yeah. it was a, the right move. So there's nothing, you know... Like, yeah, maybe now as the father, you feel a bit differently about this. Because you clearly did not care about your brothers dying. But, like, now they're your sons, so what are we going to do about that? Raise them to all be, you know, good people and generous and learning to share and delegate and find a way to, like, be healthy, mentally stable people that may, you know, share an empire, even if one of them is the official ruler? Or just, you know... Make it harder for one to kill the others. Yeah, no, Serial. We have an elective monarchy. That means that everybody is equally the heir to the throne. So we can't have any of that. I everybody can feel can entitled dream. to kill someone else. And if you're not ready to kill your brothers, they are ready to kill you. So do you want to be the only one who isn't going to be ruthless? I recently watched <laughs> Stardust, which is a movie based on a book by Neil Gaiman. And essentially there is a part of it that is a king who had seven sons or 11 sons or something like that. And they had all been trying to kill each other and there were like three left or something. And they were called like Tertius, Primus and Septimus. So like, (laughs) and all the rest (laughs) Of of them were dead. So yeah, same vibe. And the king was like, well, I expect you to like kill each other. So, you know, what are you waiting for? Why is there still three of you? I mean, that became the law in the Ottoman Empire where you would just kill all your brothers when you became sultan, so. Oh my god, okay. But anyway, Musa tells Fratis, you probably don't want all your sons to die except one, 
So I know a way to keep them safe. Send them to Rome. Far, no. far away. Ew. And, Blech. well, the Romans will take care of them. And Will they? Will they just keep them as prisoners that, like, ha- they happen with, well, you know, maybe. Leverage. That's not going to happen to us, is it? Oh, my God. Okay, so that, I, so that is what is going to happen. Okay, <laughs> great. Fun. Yeah, so Musa says, send them to Rome. When you're very old and about to die, you can just call your favorite back from Rome. And he can succeed you, so the other ones are safe, and it'll be fine. Mm, what do you I think? I see some issues with this. Does he agree to this? Like, Well, he says, yeah, that sounds reasonable, Musa. I agree. These sons, you know, I'm worried they might overthrow me. Keeping them away is safer. And yeah, I mean, we can always call them back. We made a treaty of peace with Rome. Oh my god. They're not going to hold them hostage. Otherwise, no, we're going to start a war No, of course again. not, because the Romans are so well known for keeping their word and being yeah. so nice about things. Look at Augustus. He looks so trustworthy and friendly. Uh, Would you disbelieve this man? Listen. I... Yeah. Mm, I'm making many noises in this episode, but like I don't, I don't even know like how to put this into words. I t- this is so stupid. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure at the moment it felt different. You know, we have the superpower of being in the future, and not only yeah. knowing what happened, but also like having the entirety of history to compare to. Yeah, but like, come on, this wasn't that long ago that like Rome. F- you over that way you should know better and by no better i mean you should hate the romans and never want anything to do with them <laughs> but on the other hand musa's pretty Musa's pretty and well she's asking nicely and well fratis agrees he says okay fine i'll send my sons to rome all my adult <laughs> and old sons can go to rome no. and i'll call whichever i want back no. Of course, Augustus makes a massive parade and a huge song and dance about Ha ha, look at them! They are our subjects! They bring their princes to us! Look at me, I am the god Augustus. Bow before my greatness. Yeah, he who was going to restore the Republic? I yeah, he's restored the Republic, Serial. It's fine. He's a he god, is? but he's restored the Republic. It's going right. to be okay. And, well, of course, Serial, there's one exception to the sons being sent off to Rome. Fratakis is just a little baby. He's just a little... He needs his mama. So he's going to stay (laughs) in the capital, close to the throne. Oh my god. Just in case. I swear to god. (laughs) This is such a... Like, such a clever plan, but also such a stupid... Like, how did this fly? I mean, you know, clearly Fratis was utterly persuaded by her. And, you know... At dinner, every once in a while, she says, Ooh, I saw one of your sons looking at you weird. Mm. I don't know about that one. I was like, oh, his mother was, uh, she looked pretty, pretty jealous at that, uh, that she's been replaced. Ooh, I, mm. I don't know if I trust him fully. Like, wouldn't it be easier if they were far away and couldn't hurt you and everything were fine? For your safety, of course. Of course, I would never do anything selfish. That would be ridiculous. Honestly, if I were any of the other wives, like at this point, I would just like congratulate her and be like, yeah. <laughs> like, I see what you're doing. And the idiot husband does not realize, which means he probably deserves this. Cause like, well, at this point, a few years pass. And in the year two BC, oh, oh my God, digits, 
Very single digits. Yeah. Little Fratakis has grown up, he's about 17, and he has become mm. legally an adult. So it's time to send him off to Rome, isn't it? And, well, well Fratis will have to make his final decision on who sh- he should choose as heir and uh, yeah, who, who he thinks should adults, succeed right? him. So. Yeah, all of them are adults now. Well, then, as we saw at a dinner, Fratis chokes on something. Yeah. Uh, you know what happens. Convenient. Old men. Their weak health, it happens. And, well, Fratakis does not succeed the throne. It is Musa, ah. who, after hiding her vial of poison somewhere yes. where it can't be found, puts a lovely diadem on her head and calls herself Musa, Queen of Kings. So good. I honestly, yes, my queen. Anything for you, my queen. Yes. 18 years ago, she was a slave. Mm-hmm. Now she is Queen of Kings. I mean, come on, that is just... oh, Like, you know how in our special episodes on Patreon we have a particular ranking, what is it called, category? Yes. Where we essentially say, okay, how hard did this person have it? Like, from when they started to where they ended, like, how much did they have to work to become who they became? And this just, like, we haven't had oh, yeah. anything like this. No, 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 it, no. This is, this this is the lowest all low of them. <laughs> to the highest high. This is what the American dream wishes to be. <laughs> yeah, basically. And Wilbusa decides that Queen of Kings is nice, but there's some extra steps she'd like to pass. Queen of the Universe? Let's go. How does Goddess sound? Ah, oh, yeah, pretty much, yes. pretty much. From now on, I will be known as Goddess Urania Musa, Queen of Kings. Which means the heavenly goddess Musa, Queen of Kings. Ruler of rulers. Like, I'm sorry, but she's she's just very cool. I'm sorry. that. mm. So it's been 18 years and she's gone from slave to goddess. Because she can. (laughs) Which is amazing and I love her. Alright, well, getting the title was very impressive. Let's see what she does with it, because I judge my rulers on how the empire is going. We'll see. Also, just as an aside on the divine title, it looks like it was a name closely linked to fertility and prosperity. Mm. So it was associated with Aphrodite or Anahita, which were syncretized here. Meaning that they were essentially the same. Yeah, they were basically sort of like Diana and Artemis, where it's like, they're two different gods, but they're similar enough that people decide to join them together and yeah this was something that also laudike the wife of antiochus the third had as a title as well so there is precedent here okay and to make sure that some elements in the court accept her ascension at least she makes herself co-ruler with her son fratakis okay yeah so it's a bit more you know yeah so people can say oh yeah she's ruling for her son it's not as weird as you think it is. So there we are. It looks like generally Musa trotted out Fratakis for, like, public relations stuff. Yeah. So if you needed to make a deal with a foreign power, out comes Fratakis. Yeah, because they're more used to dealing with men, and that way, you know... It makes things smoother, the transition is cleaner. She didn't have to deal with people just not taking her seriously, I guess. Yeah, pretty much. Smart. Like, not fair, but smart. Because that is 
Yeah, it was gonna be what was gonna be, so smart move on her to be like, I'll make it easy on the rest of the people so they don't question me. And yes, yeah, so now finally in control of her own destiny, Musa has to deal with a crisis. Where do you think this crisis comes from, Serial? Take a wild guess. Rome. Close. Uh, Who are we fighting with Rome over? Uh, 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 oh my god, what is the name? <laughs> it's Armenia. It's Armenia. I was like, it starts with an A. I yes. It's the place, the place that we've been fighting over again and again for some reason, which we should probably just leave alone. Yeah, no, we're not going to leave it alone, Serial. <laughs> yeah, no, I... <laughs> we're never going to leave it alone. We're never going to let me. go, Jack. Well, apparently the Armenian king had died a few years earlier, and his children, who incidentally were married to each other, no big deal, no. Yeah. We've seen had succeeded before. to the throne without asking Rome for approval. Oh, heck. They just succeeded and didn't send a letter to Rome saying, hey, please, can we be kings? They just succeeded. Please. I mean, are they Rome's subjects by now? I forget who has Armenia last. Like, it's unclear. It's frankly a little bit halfway through. It was sort of neutral in our last raid. Okay, then, then why would they have to tell Rome anything? Well, because Rome can. <sighs> when you're a buffer state, you need to be very careful. I disagree. I mean, I agree, but like, re reluctantly. Great. Well, at this point, Augustus was annoyed, so he made the uncle of these rulers king of Armenia with Roman support. But now that Musa's around, she sponsors a coup in Armenia to depose the Roman puppet and re-establish the original sibling puppet, the, ori the original sig- sib- <laughs> the original- <laughs> You can do it. To re-establish the original sibling couple as Parthian client kings. Uh-huh. So, you know, if it's going to be a puppet anyway, it might as well be a puppet that's indebted to us. Of course, yeah. So Augustus isn't happy, and he yeah, can't surprise. let the stand. He Augustus wants his puppets. Can just go suck figs in his garden. <laughs> yes, pretty much. <laughs> Sorry. Um, <laughs> do that soon. It'll be there. Livia's preparing the fig powder. Yes. But yeah, so Augustus, guess who Augustus sends? Well, the only logical person to send to solve the situation is his heir, his promised grandson and heir, Gaius Caesar. You know, the one who's going to succeed Augustus, the son of Agrippa and Julia, Augustus' oh, daughter. Oh, yes. You know, the one yeah. that's going to live a long and prosperous mm -hmm. life and yeah, this is emperor forever. Sad. Like, truly. And he's also basically the same age as Frataki, so, you know, it'll be fun. Long chatting yeah they might make friends honestly like as much as i hate the romans especially in this particular podcast and <laughs> how i might or might not dislike augustus i do think it is both hilarious and terrible and sad that he tried so hard <laughs> to have an heir with how many times I have repeated in this podcast that, that, like, one of the very number one things that you have to do as a good ruler is, like, ensure that after you're gone, the empire will, like, not go into civil war. He did try. Yeah. So hard. He did his best. He and failed. He, had a he good, ended up like, with Tiberius. So many good, good candidates. And then I... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, it would have been great if Agrippa's son and Augustus's grandson... Yes, because Agrippa was wonderful. Yes. And his son apparently was, like... 
Much like his father. Seemed like a nice kid, yeah. <sighs> but yeah, so it looks also like Augustus was planning some sort of attack on Armenia in any case, because it looks like Gaius headed east before the Roman puppet king was deposed. So mm-hmm. even if they weren't fully reacting, they had something in mind. So there we are. Yeah. And while seeing this army coming over, Frataki sent a letter to Augustus saying, Hey, listen, these people were the legitimate rulers of Armenia anyway. They were meant to contact you for the yeah. succession. Shut up. Yeah. <laughs> oh, P.S. Can I have my half-brothers back? I'd like yeah. to show them something. S- something. Don't, don't would question like to it. show them around, you know. Like. Yeah. We, we Technically, we fixed the succession thing, so I, they can come back now. Yeah, everything's cool. Also, can we confirm the peace we had under Phraates IV? Mm-hmm. We kind of like that. The border on the Euphrates is nice, and us not interfering is something also, good. Can good, we approve yeah. that? Augustus replies, Dear Phraates, not dear King of Kings Phraates V. Oh my says, god. Dear baby Phraates. Uh, f*** you. <laughs> Yeah. Rude. Yeah, calls him, dear baby Frates, leave Armenia alone, and how about you abdicate the throne and I send an appropriate candidate to be king of Parthia? Uh, excuse me? Who asked you? Yeah. Uh, who did you think you are? Also, how much do we care about the brothers? Because this is the problem. Because it's like, who do you think you are? But he does have, like, all of the... Yeah, know. I mean... But, like, we now, already have now a, a... Like, we have an heir anyway. He would have yeah. had to kill all his brothers. Now he doesn't have to. Now Rome has them. So, like, we don't care, technically. He hasn't really met them. He was a baby when they left. Yeah, it looks like the plan was mostly that if Ratakis can get his hands on them and kill them all, that makes sure so Rome can't use them. That's... Yep. Kind of the yeah. deal. You know, it's better than having them at home, but still, it's worrying. Well, in exchange to this request, Fratakis writes a letter saying, Dear Gaius. Mm, yeah. <laughs> Dear <And> then, friend. <laughs> yeah, he says, I'm not going to do that. These are the legitimate rulers of Armenia. I'm going to discuss with your grandson anything. Signed, King of Kings, Frates V. So shut up. Also, do we have these documents? And like, we know that they, like, address each other this way. We don't have the letters themselves, but we do have historians telling us. Oh, he made a point to call him okay. Fratakis, and he made the point to call him just Gaius. Gaius Good. Caesar. That's Hilarious. It. Not even Augustus. It was no. he, I guess Gaius was his name also when he was Octavius, right? Yeah, he was Gaius Octavius, yeah. then it became Gaius Julius Caesar Octavian, and now it's Gaius Julius Caesar Octavian Augustus. Yeah. Does Augustus mean... Augustus means the anointed one, sort of like Christ. <laughs> you know, very humble. <laughs> means the holy one. <sighs> well. So, yeah. And, well, guess what? Great news, Serial. While Gaius's armies, the Gaius the grandson are coming to Armenia to solve the situation. The king of Armenia just died. Now what? <laughs> yeah. Which, you know, because we're like, oh, let's, uh, let's meddle in foreign politics. And in the meantime, like, time doesn't stop. So, yeah. are the children taking over? What is happening? 
Well, it's unclear, because Fratakis takes his army and marches all the way to the Euphrates, where he meets Gaius, on an island in the middle of the river to discuss terms. So the two armies are facing off, and the two, well, the king and the prince are meeting in an island to have a chat. So they had a nice banquet, once on the Roman side and once on the Parthian side, and expressed goodwill and the desire for friendship and peace with each other. Mm-hmm. And apparently one of our sources, uh, Valeus Paterculus, was an officer in Gaius's army and just saw all this firsthand. And apparently he called Fratakis a young man of distinguished presence. So, made a good impression. That's nice. And in the end, the two agreed. They made a nice deal and they said, okay, let's not go to war over this. We saw that none of us can really win. You know, Crassus failed. Pecorus failed. Antony failed. Let's not just pointlessly lose lives. Yeah. This border is fine for all of us. And it looks like Fratakis and Musa backed down a little bit because they said, okay, you know what? Do whatever with Armenia. It's not our business. We're going to keep the border on the Euphrates. We confirm our previous peace, but you can do whatever with Armenia. Hmm. And, well, the Romans appoint the king of Media Atropatene, which was a Parthian vassal, as the ruler of Armenia. So now Armenia is in this weird limbo situation where it's technically a vassal to Parthia, but it's been appointed by Rome. So it is some sort of compromise, but it's still kind of uncertain. We've basically kicked the can down the road for another generation. Mm. And yeah, but poor, poor Gaius wouldn't profit much from this expedition because the Armenians rose in revolt against their new puppet king. And Gaius was lured into an ambush by an Armenian noble and ended up being wounded in battle. The wound got infected, and Augustus lost another heir. And was forced to move on. Yep. But, Serial, look on the bright side. Something nice has happened. A child has been born. It's called Yeshua Bar Yosef. He's a cute kid. Makes little clay pigeons and breathes life into them and makes them alive. Like, you know, normal kids do. Like every little kid. Yeah. Yeah. So seems like a cute kid, helps his father's carpentry shop, seems nice. You know, I'm sure nothing will come of it. Yeah, I'm sure. Oh, by the way, the dates sweet. have shifted from 1 BC to 1 AD, just coincidentally. You know. Interesting. I see. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see if anybody cares. I thought, things. I thought Christ was born, like, technically before year zero for some reason. I thought we had that it's wrong. It's unclear. We have a range. It's like from <laughs> 10 BC to 4 AD. Okay, I just pick yeah. when the calendar changes. Yeah, good, good. Better yes, that way. A child is born. Hurrah. I mean, statistically, ah, oh, look, a child a was born in Bethlehem. So there we are. I'm sure the star that moves across the sky probably means some omen or, or some other thing. Yeah. And this leads us to a bit of a scandalous point in Moose's career, which, well, it's unclear how true it is, but the Jewish source does tell us this. And we are told that in the year 2 AD, Musa married her son, Fratakis. Uh-huh. Problematic. Now, we don't know if this is true, because we've seen sibling marriage before. Fine. Yeah. We've seen father-daughter marriage before. Yeah. But nobody has ever married their mother yet. Very Oedipus of them. Yes. So it's unclear if it's... Josephus, 
or Jewish source, either misunderstanding accidentally or purposefully the fact that the coins have both their faces on them. Right. Like a married couple would. So it might just be that he can't comprehend a woman being in control on her own. So clearly there must be some perverse aspect to it. Or just, well, that's usually how a married couple is depicted. So yes. they don't realize that it's a co- like as in yeah it's a co-rulership thing. co-rulership but yeah yeah i could see that happening so it could be that or it could be that it actually happened and realistically that would have been some sort of political cause because maybe there were rumblings in the court that musa wasn't really legitimate because a she was a woman yeah. b she was a foreigner c yeah. she's not part of the royal family why is she our queen yeah so if she marries the king and son of the previous king, that shores up her legitimacy and makes her position safer. Of course. So it could have either been this sort of political calculation or it might have been that just a misunderstanding from the sources and we don't really know how it yeah. actually works. Do we have any Parthian or um, Persian sources on this? The only sources we have from that side are coins. And from okay, the coins, so really it nothing... could be, but it doesn't have to be. She's the only woman that's displayed on Parthen coins. It's definitely not a normal situation. Yeah. Because no other queen was displayed there. Cause, so it's yeah, clear so that she's ruling in her own right. So then it doesn't make that much sense that they're like, oh, this is a marriage thing. Because this is how married couples are But it is on coins. like Seleucid coins sometimes, oh, for example. Hmm. Okay. So, yeah, it's... It's iffy. It's unclear. Okay. If we had more sources, that would be great. But the one written source we have says they're married. But That's really again, it's a foreign like, It's source. a really good thing that you bring up the point of like, hey, it says this, but also is the one source we have. And also it could be a misunderstanding because this, this and this. Because mm -hmm. that's worth keeping in mind. Even though, like, I'm not trying to, like, maybe this did happen. It's, it, we have seen. Yeah, the thing is that there is no before, precedent. So before or after for marrying one's mother yeah so that's just what makes it weird to be fair there aren't any other female rulers yeah so fair that could be the issue like but seen, we don't like know. you said sibling marriage or like father-daughter marriage which is equally you know iffy but like why would this one then be different you know mm -hmm. i don't know it's yeah that's it's a good point so yeah it could be either make up your own minds this is the evidence we have we there's know. not much else yeah. And well, it does seem that this marriage or supposed marriage was reflecting some internal issues that were there. Because the Parthian nobility began being angered by the loss of face with the Romans, the fact that, yes, they had to back down on Armenia and give up their candidates for the throne. Also, they're not happy about being ruled by a foreign woman who had been a slave, mm. not royalty. So the nobles pick up a distant cousin of the Arsacid dynasty, a man called Orodes III, and placed oh. him on the throne, chasing away Musa and Fratakis from power. We're not sure what happens to Musa and her son, and we have a few options here. They were either killed by the angry nobles or murdered to mm. facilitate the succession, or they managed to flee to Syria. Because on the Roman side, we have news of Augustus boasting that a certain King Phraates, son of Phraates, took refuge with him. 
in a similar manner to what he said for Tiridates a generation ago. But there's also no mention of Musa again. The Roman sources say nothing about Musa. Also, some scholars suggest that the coins with Musa on them were just commemorative coins, that she, she had died and it was Frataki's mm. remembering them, but I'm not a real historian and I hate that idea, so let's <laughs> say it definitely didn't happen. Yep. But yeah, so we don't know if they died there or if they lived their life in refuge in Rome, but I really hope Musa made it back to Rome just to see the look on Augustus's face. Yeah. <laughs> Just like, this is the slave that you sent away 20 years ago. Uh-huh. Oh, she's the queen now. Like, ah. And also, I really want Musa and Livia to have a little house together where they exchange poisoning tips about how to kill people, yep. which would have been great. So Powerful if anybody women. wants to write that, I'll read it. I'm also personally offended that there aren't any historical novels about Musa because there should be. But yeah. Truly, it's an amazing story. Like, it would make for a great novel. But yeah, so disappearing into the mists of history somewhere in Rome, presumably, this is the end of Musa's life. What are your thoughts, Ariel? Dang, that was very interesting. I enjoyed Musa. Yeah, that was really cool. Because I was going to say when you mentioned Christ <laughs> being born, I was it's like, but, but this was with King Herod, right? Who like made the huge deal about like killing every so i was like "Hmm, i guess we'll see yeah it's complicated also the pigeons thing is non-canon if you're christian it is canon if you're muslim or an extinct version of christians so there we are interesting because the childhood gospels are excellent and you should read them because there's baby jesus seeing dragons that swoop down to adore him and he's just like that is so cool <laughs> yes i am baby i'm sure she dragons pet, Hello. pet but yeah so we're an ad serial you can flip your calendars it's changed and we're also coincidentally pretty much halfway through the podcast because we start and stop roughly around the same point well this was fascinating i'm sad i didn't get to see musa do more yeah that is both a source problem and a amount of time she had problem yeah i mean she got chased off by nobles i guess which mm. did they just like truly like did they didn't even try to recover like to bring back the brothers that were in rome they were just like let's choose this random you know lightly like faintly related dude you will want to listen to next episode serial <laughs> because those brothers will not disappear into nothing yet. I mean, I, yeah, like, if they're not dead and they hear that this happens, it's like, okay, at least our little brother before was on the throne, which, like, we might have a problem with that, but, like, that made sense how it happened. But, like, now the nobles are just like, yeah, this guy will do. While we're all here? Hello? Yeah. Hi? Yeah. If If the problem that you have is with the dynasty and not with, like, you know... Then obviously come for us first. And if not, that's treason because clearly you just want to put someone on the throne to control them. So, yeah. But the nobles can pull the elective monarchy card saying, huh, you don't technically succeed because your father's son. You succeed because the nobles say so. So shut up. Is Does it actually it work, work like, that way? Yeah. That is, is that how it works though? Mm. It only saying... works when the king is weak. If you're weak enough to let it happen, it works. If you're, you keep if saying you're strong elective, enough to stop elective it. Elective monarchy, but like, I, that's not what I am seeing happening, you know. 
Yeah, yeah. It's selective monarchy in the sense that you need to be careful what the nobles want. So yeah, we'll see I next hope episode how well their, that goes. They get over. their asses kicked. <laughs> I really hope. I don't know which one of the brothers is gonna like make it. It would make sense if they could like collaborate, you know, yeah. and then decide among themselves later. But well, eh. we'll see. I guess yeah. I guess I'll find out. <laughs> yeah. In the meantime, are you ready to raid Musa? Very. Yes. Let's go. So our first category is final moments. How interesting do you think her death was? We don't have too much information. Mm. It's either being murdered by nobles or running away to Rome and living the rest of her life in a comfortable exile. So I didn't really have anything about her actual death. So no, I eh. yeah, no. There's nothing much here. It's just so vague and so generic that it's just I'm honestly going for a zero just because we don't know anything about it. Yeah, same. Yeah, okay. So, yeah, with a zero and a zero, we get a zero out of ten for final moments. Our next category is Battle Hearts. How good was he, she at war and fighting? Um, we don't get too uh, much. We, okay. Did we get anything? Like, depends how much you want to put in fighting the fact that she fought her way up <laughs> from slave <laughs> to goddess. I that mean, I feel like some point that was so cool, and I don't know if we're going to give points for that in any other category. Maybe I feel like factor? it's definitely something in scheminess. The yeah, whole, yeah, okay. I mean, she has points there, but it depends if you want to put some points in fighting for that. I guess it's not the kind of fighting we're referring to. Yeah. So. Otherwise, militarily, they sponsor a coup in Armenia to try and put their candidate on the throne. Yeah. And they also just make somewhat of a show of force with the Romans that convinces them not to go to war. But it's nothing huge. That's kind of it. Yeah. Not many battles in this period. Yeah, I'm between a one and a two. Just as tokens. Just a one as a token for like, yeah, there's some battles were fought through diplomacy-ish. Yeah, there was that little bit in Armenia. So yeah, I think I'm going for a one. You know. Yeah. Worth one point. Okay. So, with a one and a one, we get a two out of twenty for battle hardness. Next category is scheminess. How good was she at plots and manipulations? Great. Well, pretty Amazing. <laughs> Incredible. She was plopped into Parthia, not knowing the local language, possibly knowing some Greek, hoping to know this. She climbed her way all the way to becoming the chief wife of the king. And then she convinced the king, hey, maybe send all your rival heirs somewhere else so my son can succeed and I can take the throne. And he did it. And he did it. Then she killed her husband and made herself queen in her own right, which is amazing. Mm-hmm. Afterwards, during her reign, schemey, there isn't too much that she does that is especially schemey. I don't know if you want to give, like, maybe a token point for the whole double-faced thing with Fratakis, where she is queen, he is sort of king, and they switch roles mm. as appropriate. I don't know if you want to count that as schemey or not, but... I don't know if that's schemey per se. Mm. Yeah. Was... But overall, I think she's very, very schemey. Did a great job. Very impressive. Yes. Agreed. Yeah, I think I would go at least for an eight. Yeah, I was thinking... Yeah, I was summing up. I think a five for the getting to the throne. 
let me see. So why not a 10? Let's start with that. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like she deserves what high marks, so why not the top? What is she missing? Who got a 10 in scheminess that... Darius? Well, Darius. She didn't rewrite history, exactly. to be fair. She is sort I of was excised thinking. from history. Yeah, I think she can't get full marks because she was then overthrown through a plot. Yeah. I feel like that throws her off. So nine or an eight. Um, nine or an eight, nine or an eight. I think, no, you know what? I think I'm going to go for a nine. I think yeah, that I was it's like, not well, what perfect, else went but... wrong? But like, no, it was just that she got deposed by the, yeah, the nobles. Exactly. And I think that's not worth that big a demotion. No. I think yeah. a nine is good. We can keep that. Yeah, no, I agree with you. Yeah. Nice. Okay, so with a 9 and a 9, she gets an 18 out of 20 for skeetiness. Our next category is shock factor. How shocking was this woman? Uh, incredibly. Well, pretty apparently. shocking, yeah. <laughs> well, first of pretty all... Pretty and shocking. Yes, pr- she was shockingly pretty, which is a <laughs> start. But, yeah, well, the thing is, she is sent over, she's a slave, she becomes a goddess. That's pretty cool. She kills her husband. She manipulates her way to the throne. She maybe marries her son. That would be yeah. shocking if true. Yeah, even for the time. Yeah, exactly. Because we've had these incest marriages before where, like, we've been like, yeah, this is shocking for us. But, like, at this point, I don't, you know, the, yeah, the yeah. Ptolemies are there. I don't know how shocked to be. But, like, <laughs> yeah, it, it, this would be strange. Also, she is a woman and she is yeah. in power. She yeah. is one of three women who have ever ruled Iran in all of history. And the one who reigns longest. Oh, that's sad. That is sad, yes. But it is also extremely impressive. And, you know, shock factor, like, Cleopatra is a very froofy figure, but how did she get the throne? <laughs> she was a Ptolemaic princess. Her father and mother were Ptolemaic prince and princess. Yeah, like, like you know, yeah, she, she knew a lot to... of languages, but she was a princess who had nothing else to do in her youth. Musa yeah. learned languages while a slave in a foreign court, knowing nothing. Yeah. There is a certain amount of shock there <laughs> that everything actually worked out for her. I am, again, hovering between a 9 and a 10. My only, again, we gave a 10 to Alexander. Right. I don't know if she's bloodthirsty enough to be a mm. 10. I mean, her story is shocking in other reasons, right? Yeah, it's right? true. No, you know what? Screw that. I'm going to give her a 10. F*** it. <laughs> I think she deserves it. She's done so yeah. much. She's just passed the odds in so many ways that also, I think she deserves Also, the Romans erased her from history? What is that about? Yeah, what the hell? The hell, Romans. <laughs> like you said, we had Jewish sources and Greek? No, we have Jewish sources, and that's it. And then Parthian sources, which are coins. Oh, oh God. So, yeah, we know very little about her, which is sad. But the Romans decided that she was shocking enough that they didn't want to mention her. Yeah. How do we know that this happened? I know this is a very, like, silly question, but, like, if we barely have sources except for one... Well, first of all, because we have reports of Fratakis existing in the Roman sources, right. they mention him. His mother isn't mentioned. So they mention the treaty with Gaius. That's all from right. Roman sources. But, well, we know that she existed, well, from the Jewish source that mentions something roughly that matches what we know. And also mm-hmm. we have coins which are reasonably precisely dated 
where we can tell, okay, there was this woman in control. She was called Musa. It matches what the Jewish source called her, so right. it would be weird if everybody just agreed to make it up. Right. So let's go for it. Conspiracy. Yeah. Oh, also, right. just mentioning a conspiracy theory that is cuckoo bananas crazy. Oh. But <laughs> apparently I read somewhere, and this is absolutely not true, everybody. This is not true. This is, okay. According to this theory, she was the secret love child between Caesar and Cleopatra. Lol, imagine. <laughs> which is why Augustus had her. And not only that, she was the secret grandmother of Jesus Christ. I, I'm sorry, what? How? <laughs> it's very unclear, Sarah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's messed up, but How would yeah, that that's even thing. happen? I don't know. Yeah, it's a bad theory, but I yeah. thought you should know that it exists. I'm drawing her very pretty. Good job. But yeah, okay. so I think I'm going to go for a 10 in shock factor. I think she yeah, deserves it. Yes. You go, you go, girl. Gatekeep, gaslight, girl, boss. And actually, <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, the there was definition. a too. It's perfect. Yeah, the definition of gatekeep, gaslight, girl, boss. Because she did all three. Perfect. So with a 10 and a 10, she gets a, a 20 out of 20 for shock factor. Our next category is Erin Shine. How good was she for the Empire in general and Iran in particular? Um, I don't know. We didn't get to see that much, sadly. There wasn't that much. So, well, interestingly, she's the first foreign ruler since the Seleucids right. that we're covering. So that's interesting. Yeah, you say that, but like we've, we've had fully like... You know, the whole Hellenistic period. Yeah, and I mean, since the Seleucids, like, she's the first foreign ruler. Yeah, yeah, it's been a while. But yeah, so what does she do for the empire? How does the empire change? Well, the thing with Armenia is it's fuzzy. They have to back down. The nobles are angry, so it's not great. Mm. She does kind of mess up the succession by sending heirs to Rome. Sure, she did it for her own reasons, but yeah, where the empire is concerned, it's not great. Yeah, but she did put an heir on the throne, so it's not like she left it, you know. True, but she is just handing the Romans like but, yeah. half a dozen potential yeah, that heirs was not they great. can mix that and match. So that's not ideal. I get her reasons, but sure. Yeah, I mean, in her place, she played her hand well, but having seen how it ended. Yeah. Also, she's overthrown, which is not great. For stability of the empire, we'll see that it's a bit messy later on. The empire doesn't collapse under her. It doesn't have any glorious prosperity, any terrible defeats. It mm. just loses some influence in Armenia, and the succession is a bit messed up. I'm looking at a three. Because mm, it's also true sure. she didn't have that much time to do anything, but yeah, I think it's fine, basically. It was she also didn't... not devastating, but it wasn't good. Yeah, I mean... In history textbooks, normally, she's just <laughs> skipped over. Yeah. Because it was too fast. You know, how influential was it? Like, yeah, you know, it happened. It's interesting because she's an interesting person, but for yeah. the Empire, she may as well not have happened, really. Yeah. The Empire's just slightly worse off now. So, yeah, I think I'm going to go for a three, but uh, yeah, no disrespect. Yeah. Do matching as well, or... I think so. I do not have any stronger arguments, really. Okay, fair. I'm just mad that she skipped over. Yeah, that's disappointing. Because there are other kings who, like, also don't get much time and don't get to do much, and, like, people still talk about them. 
even if it's like, oh, this happened for like, you know, Yeah, I mean, she reigns as long as Caligula. So? She reigns longer than Caligula, and we know about Caligula. She's cool. I mean... Mention her. To be, to be fair, Caligula, um, you know... I mean, Caligula is a lot, but still. Yeah. I think we talk about him just for the drama. Yeah, sure. At this point. But, like, yeah, mention her then. Like, that's yeah. what I mean. I feel like, you know... This is part of, like, the misogyny on history, because if she were... My question if, is, if, if she had been a man, like, would we skip over? Because it's I still mean, relevant it... to how things go after this, and how the succession works. Yeah, it... How would I you mean, explain yeah, that Rome has... You would definitely you know, have to mention the fact that she sends the heirs off. That is yeah. really important for Parthian history for a while. And the whole succession. So how do people do it? Do we just like, oh, Rome happens to have these? I mean, presumably people mention there was a messy succession and this heir happened to do this, blah, blah, blah. This is so ridiculous. Like, no, we know. (laughs) Hello? It's it's disappointing. Oh, my God. But hey, this is why the podcast exists. Still so stupid. We can tell you about it. I just... Sorry. So you're sticking with a three, you said? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so with a three and a three, we get a six out of 20 for Erinshine. Skipping over Musa. Our next category is Face of Faces. What do you think she looked like? I am working on it. And Sarah, we have two versions of her. We have one version of her on a coin. And also a bust, but it's probably not her. It was a bust that was originally identified as Musa, but based on some recent features. Yeah, basically, based on how it looks compared to the coins, and based on the fact that it looks kind of like a goddess, Mm. it might be more this other thing and not Musa. Okay. But, you know, you can have a look at both and judge for yourself. I see. Okay, so Serial has finished their drawing. Musa the first. Pick it up. Yes. Musa, the one, the only, the legend, Musa. Literally. Ooh, I like this. This is very nice. So, dear listeners, let me tell you what you have here in front of you. (laughs) So we have Musa looking lovely as ever. Because, you know, if there's one thing that historians told us about her is that she's pretty. (laughs) Might as well put that in the portrait. She has this nice vest with lots of little folds, two sort of uh, brooches on the shoulders, a nice necklace around her. And uh, upon her head, she's tying a diadem because she is awesome and she's very cool. And she has a nice little crown with some orbs on the base and it has two levels. This bottom one with the orbs, a higher one that looks like a truncated fez. And then on top <laughs> of that is a bird to look cool because, you know, who doesn't want a bird on their hat? If you're gonna give her a crown, might as well make it a cool crown. Yes. And she has nice zigzaggy eyes, which I enjoy. That's very yeah. strong. Strong look. So, yeah, thank you, Serial. That is a great look for our Musa. And uh, if anybody wants to check that out, please go to our website and find Serial's portrait gallery, or you can click the link in the description of the episode. Now let me show Serial what she actually looked like. Here is the coin with Musa. Oh, I see. Very, like, this is going into a more abstract kind of stylized 
style, which is funny the to Parthians me. The Parthians do some fun abstractions with their coins. Yeah. I, I like that about them. It's less realistic and more like, okay, we put these shapes here and like you can tell mm-hmm. that it's a face and like that's how we represent. Yeah. yeah. I like this, you know. It's going to be in a small little coin anyway, so. Yeah, it's a thumbnail, literally. So, yeah, the face is less realistic, but you have the straight L-shaped nose. It's on a profile. And you have the eye, which is a bead surrounded by the, like, brow. Smaller than or bigger than symbol, essentially. (laughs) Fair. And the two lips and then the cheek. And yeah, it's a pretty, like, Roman profile, I guess. Mm-hmm. And then she has her hair kind of pulled up, like rolled upwards into the crown almost. She's wearing a diadem and a crown, kind of like what I drew. So like the, the yeah, orbs on nice. the bottom and then like like another stage on top of that. Mm-hmm. And she has definitely a necklace and the folds of some sort of tunic. And then there's writing around it as usual, which I assume says like the the heavenly goddess Musa, queen of kings, that sort of thing. Wow. And yeah, so this is what she looks like. And then we also have this extra bust, which some people have identified as Musa, others as the goddess uh, Tuke of fortune. Hmm. So yeah, it's mostly because it looks it looks different. Looks like an older style. Doesn't look fully Parthian. I see. So it's uh, so you know, it's an option. And also, it looks slightly yeah. different to the other one. There isn't the equally straight nose and uh, yeah. slightly fuller cheeks that are in the coin. So, eh, there we go. Interesting. That is an option. Cool. But yeah, so what do you think of the coin, serial? I like the abstraction of it. I like that like it has a particular style. It's fun, yeah. But, you know, it's another coin. So I guess, like, yeah. What do I usually give these things, like, as an average? Normally, you give... So, I mean, average is five, I guess. That's, that's like, yeah. a unremarkable. But do you should also consider in Face of Faces that she pretty. I... Well, I you know. <laughs> Since we're having to judge her on her appearance and being <laughs> very bad about that. Uh, well, I don't know. I think, yeah... I, I, I think I'll go for a six. I also do like the coin. It's a very particular one. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to go for a full seven. You know what? Oh, Let's go for that. Because I like it. Good, and good. I want to keep in mind that, you know, the sources say that she's pretty. So <laughs> so there you go. Let's go for that. I mean, I think Alexander did get extra points for that. Yeah, too, exactly. So. If Alexander gets extra points, you know, who's Moose? And he might not have points? been that pretty as like some statues made him seem. So yeah, beefy boy. Okay, so with a 7 and a 6, we get a 3.3 out of 5 for a face of faces. Our next category is lengthiness. How long do you think she ruled? Oof, not long, apparently. So, maybe a couple years? Like, two years? No, she ruled more than that. Which oh, is, which I forget nice. how long Caligula reigned, so I couldn't compare. I think Caligula did a couple years. I can't remember the exact dates, but two or three years was Caligula. It was a short, sharp reign of terror. Dang. But no, Musa ruled for five years, which is quite nice. So she ruled between 2 BC and 4 AD, crossing us from one single digit to another single digit, but still ruling for half a decade before things went south, which is pretty nice. 
And yeah, so that leads us to the final score, which is a very impressive 49.8 out of 100, which places her just under Cyrus the Great and above Antiochus IV. So it is very impressive, mostly born out of intense scheming and shocks and all that, which is, you know, fair enough. She is definitely a spicy meatball. (laughs) But that leads us to the final question, which is to say, is she girl bossy enough? Is she (laughs) gatekeep enough? Is she gaslight enough to be a Shahanshah? Or is she just a Shahanshah? Oh, come on, absolutely. Are you kidding me? Her story I mean, yeah, is amazing. I would totally tell I, It would about only reason. get more amazing if she had had actually more time to do, like, to see what she would yeah. have done with the Empire. And maybe then it would have burned. Like, I don't know. But the story is so cool. You have to remember her. It is very good. I, I love Musa and I've been looking forward to, to this episode for a long time. Yes. Because it's really cool. I mean, I'm sorry you know, I made you wait. We were in the hiatus right in the middle of this. But yeah, no, it was very good. And, uh, yeah, Musa's just super impressive, and you don't know how it all happened, and, like, I'm really annoyed that nobody's written it. I, I think somebody has written a historical novel on it when I was doing my research, but it was, like, a French oh. novel that went out of print in the 80s. Oh, no. And I haven't been able to find it since. I was trying to look it up for this episode, but I couldn't find anything. Oh, what a shame. What is it called? I like, can't remember. The that's, the, that's the thing. I was oh. trying to look for, like, Thea Musa novel something but i couldn't find it if anybody can please tell us because i've lost it and i'd like to find it somewhere because come on you can make an amazing story out of this it would be so cool agreed oh what a shame but anyway congratulations musa you can go into the paradise gardens enjoy your well-earned reward and go tell erodes the second that yes you killed his son but Technically, that means you were avenging him, so it's fine, actually. Don't mm-hmm. think about it too hard. <laughs> right. And yeah, so there we are. We've finished our wonderful episode on Musa. Please join us next time for Erodes Third. Yeah, we'll see what happens to the guy elected by the nobles, distantly related to the dynasty, and hmm, I want to see what the brothers are going to Yeah, that's be going to be an interesting thing to develop. In the meantime, if you'd like to support our podcast, we have a few ways to do that. You can support us on Patreon, like the new patrons Libisaurus Rex, Tom York, and TH Abdico 2. Thank you so much for your support. That means a lot. Thank you very much. We're currently finishing up an older miniseries about the neighborhood of Mithridates the Great. So we're just going to move on to China in September. Very excited for that. And we're also finishing up voting on our next miniseries, which seems to be, for now, a series of ancient Greek figures that interacted with the Achaemenid Empire. So Themistocles, Alcibiades, and Xenophon, which are all very cool. So if you want to hear about them, please join. Lots of interesting stuff there. Or you can join and vote for someone else. We have the Moria Empire and a series of religious travelers, which are cool Ooh. if instead you'd rather not support us monetarily that's cool we'd also appreciate if you could give us a review on your podcast app of choice because that lets more people know that we exist and helps spread the word so do you want and more people free. to know that moose so, exists mm-hmm. tell them <laughs> she exists she's amazing so tell everyone it's good and uh yeah i think that's all i had to say so 
without Same. any further ado, we can uh, wish you all a lovely week, and we'll see you next time. Goodbye. Take care. Bye.